My name is Tamara Gober, and I'd like to personally welcome you to the Hope Community Podcast. Before we begin, if you live in the New York City area and are looking for a church home, I'd like to take this time to invite you to our services. For time and place, check out our website at hopecommunitynyc.com. Again, thanks for listening. We hope you are encouraged by this message, and we truly pray you walk away looking more like Jesus. Welcome to you guys, and welcome to week three of our Advent study, where we're talking about joy. We've talked about, what was the first week? Hope. And then we talked about what last week? We talked about peace last week, and this week we talk about joy, all right? So it's interesting because all of these things that we have been talking about are an extreme, deep, core desire in every single human being. You guys aware of that? If you, hope is something that is within every single, I don't know a person that's like, man, I don't really, I'm not really looking for hope, right? I don't know anybody. Like, that's something that's a deep desire. People who are looking for peace, I've never met anybody that's like, I just really enjoy, you know, anxiety. <laughs> like, I, it's fun. And so people are looking for peace, like, and as well as joy, like, these are deep-rooted desires that we have in our lives. And I know that every single one of us understand that. But see, that's a deep-rooted desire in believers and unbelievers as well. It's something that we're all looking for, right? And, uh, and I don't know anyone who is making decisions hoping that it will leave them hopeless. In fact, it's impossible to hope that something will leave you hopeless because in doing so, you're hoping, Right? So you can't even do that anyways. And I don't know anybody that doesn't want peace or that doesn't want joy. And if you think about it, hope, peace, and joy are some of the main motivating factors in every decision that we make. It really is. Like that's why we do the things we do. We don't, we don't go and do something because it's going to make us miserable. No, we're like, no, we hope that this is going to bring us joy, right? We hope that this is going to bring us peace. We hope that this is something that we can hope in that is going to bring us all of these things, right? All of these desires that we have. And next week, we're going to talk about love, which is another very core desire that every single one of us have. And uh, as I'm sure you've noticed, uh, these are all close relatives as well. Hope, peace, and joy are all very, very close relatives to one another, right? Um, They're very intermingled. If you lack joy, it's usually indicative of a lack of peace and a lack of hope, right? If you lack joy, you probably lack hope. You probably lack peace, right? I've never met an anxiety-ridden and hopeless individual cheerfully walking down the street rejoicing. Never met that person, right? And I've never met anyone on the street filled with hope who felt like life was chaotic and miserable, right? You just, you don't see those people. So all of them seem to intermingle. And if you remember a scripture that we looked at a few weeks back, I'll throw it up here on the screen, is Romans chapter 12, verse 12. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. See, all three words are right there. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So they're all just one hope. Hope and peace and joy are like uh, just this one giant, huge spaghetti plate of noodles, right? And if you tug on one, you can't tug on one without interfering with another, right? Without disturbing another one on there. So if you disturb hope, you're probably going to disturb peace, you're probably going to disturb joy. If you disturb the other two, you're going to, the same thing goes for every single one of them, right? You're probably, so they're all, so it's very, very important that we have a biblical view on what hope is and what peace is and what joy is because we're looking for 
not man's understanding. We're not looking for our own ideas. We're looking for what is true, right? And that's it. The only thing we're looking for is what is true, okay? Do not look at the man behind the curtain. But that's what we're looking for, are the things that are true. That's what I want to know about hope, peace, and joy, all right? I don't, I don't want to know what Greg's understanding of those things are because I will end up at the end of my life having guessed because of all the experiences of life and I will have truly missed what those things are. And so praise God, he's given us his scripture. Praise God, he's given us this book so that we can know what is true about these things. And that's what we've been talking about is what is true about hope. And remember, hope, the definition that we came up with a couple of weeks ago was a confident expectation or assurance based upon a sure foundation for which we wait with joy and full confidence. And that foundation is God, and that foundation is his promises. So we can have confidence in the hope of God because that foundation is unmovable. It's rock solid. It's not going to go anywhere, right? And then last week we talked about peace and where we place our expectations, okay? That's where we find peace. If we expect the things of the world to bring us peace, we will just be let down over and over again and never be at peace. So true peace is found when we have, we talked about it last week, number one, peace with God, and number two, the peace of God, right? And so today we're going to talk about something that really is a culmination of hope and peace, and that is joy, all right? So question for everyone here can we experience joy without hope and without peace? What do you guys think? Can we experience joy without hope and without peace? Now, you may want to say no to that because joy is ultimately found in Christ. And so that's what everybody's thinking right now. So they're like, no, like it's in Christ. Like that's what joy is. But you actually can experience joy outside of hope and peace. Hang with me for a second. It's something called common grace. Common grace, all right? Common grace, a grace that every human, saved and unsaved, experience, okay? So just like scripture says, God causes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust, right? It doesn't matter. Like the sun is good, all right? God gives that goodness. It's a common race that believer and unbeliever get to experience. The just and the unjust get to experience. And he also allows the just and the unjust to experience joy. I, ex I, I, I saw this firsthand whenever we were playing Christmas carols um, in the subway, uh, whenever we were just rehearsing because we didn't have a rehearsal space. So we were like, let's go down the subway and rehearse for Friday. And whenever we were there um, at Roots Cafe, and we were uh, playing these Christmas carols, I know good and well there were people there that were not saved. They lacked a true hope and a true peace that we've been talking about these past couple of weeks, yet they experienced joy for a moment. Why? Because there's joy in music. If you don't believe me, then just the very, like there's a video of the very last song that we played, which was Feliz Navidad, all right? We played Feliz Navidad, and, uh, and at when we were just jamming it out and the whole sidewalk at like 9.15 at night in front of Ruth, there were like 20 people on the sidewalk, kids, adults, everyone was just dancing on the sidewalk. And it was the coolest thing. And I know good and well that there are people there that don't have true peace and they don't have true hope in Christ. The very definition, the biblical definition of those things. Yet they were experiencing just for a moment joy. 
They were just for a moment experiencing. And you may say, yeah, but Greg, what they were just experiencing was just a happy moment, right? Because there's a difference between happiness and joy. So they weren't really experiencing real joy. And many people want to separate joy and happiness, but the Bible never does that. Go look for it. It's something really popular that Christians want to say is, well, happiness is just a fleeting thing and joy is what's in the Lord. The Bible never differentiates happiness and joy. Why? Because if you're joyful, you're happy, right? If you're happy, you're joyful. Those things just go straight together. And, but I know that sometimes people want to celebrate or separate it, but it doesn't happen, right? They say happiness is fleeting, but joy is deep-rooted and if that's in the Bible somewhere, then I will gladly next week come up here after you show it to me, say, blew it, <laughs> all right? Let's go back and restudy joy because I've searched and I've looked and it doesn't, there's no differentiating in that. Happiness and joy are synonymous in the Bible. Now, do I think that we are on to something whenever we say that there's a difference between, uh, that we understand that there's a fleeting joy, there's a fleeting happiness, and we understand that there is a joy that seems to be deep-rooted and always with you, kind of eternal, right? Um, yeah, I think we are on to something whenever we say that, and I think that as Christians, we know the joy that we felt before Christ, okay? But we also know the joy that we feel after Christ. We know that. We know that we understand that joy that we felt before, and we understand that joy that we felt after. And we know that the joy that we feel after is different. We can't explain why it's different necessarily, but we're like, no, I mean, there were joyful things that I experienced before Christ, but man, do I experience joy to a whole different level now. And we do. We experience it to a completely different level. And we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. They're drastically, drastically different, but they're both joy. Listen to this verse in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Do you know what I just read in the Bible? Sin is enjoyable. Just read that in the Bible. If we're honest, right? The feeling of joy is experienced in sin. And isn't sin just a pursuit of joy anyways? It really is. That's what we're doing. Whenever we're sinning, we're just pursuing joy. Ah, this is going to bring me joy. I know this is joy, right? Because we know fact does bring joy. And so we continue to do it. And we do it again. So I know there's joy. I know that there is. I know there's happiness in that. So I'm going to do that. And we choose it. But it's only for a moment. It's only for a moment. And we know that before Christ. And we So it's experienced in, and correct me if I'm wrong, joy, common grace joy for everyone is experienced in music. All right? It's experienced in children. It's experienced in the talked about a second ago. It's experienced in marriage. It's experienced in intimacy. It's the excitement of something new, right? Have you ever just gotten something? Ah, oh, it's new. I love new stuff, right? Your new car, your new shoes, your new whatever it is. Experience a little bit. If, if, if we didn't experience joy in new stuff, Nobody would be so pumped about Christmas, right? Like you want to, I know, like, yes, the spiritual thing is it's about Jesus, and it is. But like whenever you get a present or something, you're like, thinking about me. 
right? What were you doing? What were you thinking about me, right? And you get something and it's new, you open it up and you're like, ah, like I was, when I was seven years old, eh, no, nah, it might've been before that. It was before that. It was probably around like five or six years old. A uh, huge difference. <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, no, I got to like be correct on that. But um, I remember, uh, this was pre-Christ, okay? This was before I was saved. I, 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 dude, I opened up on Christmas morning a Nintendo and I was joyful. Like, there's no doubt about it. I was joy. We plugged that thing in. It, um, remember we had to take it back. But we went and got another one. It was good. Yeah, that's always a bummer, right? Joy. No joy. Joy. <laughs> it's like an emotional roller coaster. All right. But the excitement of something new. Um, we experienced joy in a raise at work. I've never met anyone that got a raise at work and was like, okay. Right? In a good meal. There's joy in a good, so we, 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 we experience this common grace of joy among believers and unbelievers, um, just like the sun. But here's the thing, eventually the sun sets. Eventually the sun sets. And so does the joy we find every single pursuit outside of Christ. It always sets. It all goes away. And as you know, uh, we have a lot of like mission teams that come in, praise God for mission teams. Um, but like whenever you're a church planter pastor and you have a bunch of mission teams in, you play like, you know, mission guide during the day and tour guide at night, right? And so uh, especially when people come into New York and they're like, we've never been here. Um, and so you're like, well, let me show you this city, right? And so you go to like Chinatown for the 15,000th time uh, and show, you know, everybody. I, I really do enjoy that, though. Um, the thing I enjoy the most is watching people enjoy the city. That's what, that's what I really love. Uh, is showing them those things. But I remember in 2013, whenever we first came to New York for the very first time, uh, we went to Chinatown, right? And we met these super sweet ladies that were on the street. And, and they were offering us purses at like stupid prices. Like they were so nice. And they would come up to us and they'd be like, let me show you. You like handbag? You like purse? We do. You like watch? I do. Sunglasses? Absolutely. We have some for you. Really? Yeah, and check it out. It's like Ray-Ban sunglasses, right? We got Rolex watches. We've got like these Gucci purses, Louis Vuitton, right? We've got all these purses and stuff. And, uh, and, and our, you know, we're just like, these people are incredible. Like, this is so cool. They're sell what, what, are, what are these big companies doing? Because I know they're selling them in their stores for like $3,000. And these people here are selling it. What did you say? One twenty? Okay. Ah, 120 sounds good, right? Oh, I can talk you down? Okay, let's do that too, right? And, and then, but what happens though, right? Whenever you, whenever you buy that purse and you're walking around, you've got, you've got just a moment of joy, right? You're walking around, you're like, check out my purse. That's really nice, like designer purse, and it's great. And everybody's like, ooh, look at you, you're so cool. We never bought one of those, by the way. But it was like, because we didn't ever want to walk around <laughs> acting like we had all this money, right? Mm, are you sure you're doing okay as a church planter? Yeah, I've got this Gucci purse, right? Uh, and uh, so, yeah, no. But, um, but, you know, eventually, though, what happens, because I see it happen on everybody's face whenever they come in, they buy designer bags and all this other kind of stuff. What happens is uh, after just kind of a few months, uh, stuff starts to fall apart, right, on those things. Uh, things start peeling, the leather starts peeling, uh, your, the, the, the stitching starts 
unraveling, your zippers start breaking, the clasps, the clasps start busting, uh, and you start to realize that this is a complete sham. Like, what, what is this? This is, not, this is not real. Like, the thing that you have sold me is absolutely fake, right? It's a complete knockoff. And I bring this up, why? Because I want you to remember this every time you go to Chinatown. <laughs> What's following? This is how joy outside of Christ works, okay? Circumstantial joy does not last, all right? Just like that, but, but oh man, they will sell it to you, right? You look at it and you're like, oh, but I want that. This, this world is one gigantic tourist trap Chinatown, all right? That's what we're gonna call it. And it's trying to sell us joy and we take a look at it and we go, well, there it is. <laughs> you guys are gonna just give it to me, world. Thank you so much. I'll take that joy, thank you. Looks like joy, smells like joy, it comes in a nice little joy bag, right? You're like, man, I love this joy. And for a month or two or however long, sometimes shorter, sometimes longer, we are experiencing enjoyment. But then we start peeling back things and we start understanding that, oh my goodness, this joy is actually starting to unravel. These zippers on this joy are starting to break and these clasps start busting and we start to realize it's a sham, it's not real, it's a off didn't actually end up being joy at all that relationship that we thought was it ends that job that we prayed to get turns out to be a little bit different than you thought it was going to be a little bit more difficult those children that you had they start talking back <laughs> right that new iphone that you got you drop it the new shoes they got stepped on in the subway. The new car, you're in New York City. Somebody bumped it, right? And quick, these things start to kind of wear off. That white picket fence starts to rot, and that delicious food gives you indigestion, right? Like all these things that we think are going to bring us joy and that we look to so much for joy, we start understanding it did not last. And our whole lives are spent trying to fill this joy vacuum. All right, there is a vacuum that, that is just sucking for joy. It's like, please, like all I want is joy. Just give me joy. And it's inside every single one of us. And every, I picture like a drain in a bathtub, right? And, and this is how I want you to kind of picture this. Like if you, if you got, you know, like a bathtub full of water, you pop that drain, you know, you start seeing like the little tornado that happens, you know, around the drain and you just kind of stare at it. You try to put your finger in it and you're like, this is cool. that's just me. Um, but like you see this kind of vortex that's happening. What's going on is you've got this drain that is like, give me more, give me more, give me more because I am not full. Give me more, give me more. And so I kind of, I don't know, I kind of anthropomorphize like, like the drain, right? I kind of give it human qualities. And, uh, and I just picture the drain like just reaching for everything that it can because it just has this vortex. It's like, please give me, please give me. And it's just grabbing all the water around it, everything around it. And it just keeps sucking it in and sucking it in until there's just no more water and it's just left. It's just left kind of this vortex, right? And it's only going to stop one of two ways. Either A, it fills up, the drain fills up, right? And it doesn't need anymore. So you have this equilibrium that's reached, okay? And so it doesn't fill up anymore, or you plug it. So it's either one of two ways, right? And the plugging it is just a temporary fix. 
if you can bring that drain to like an equilibrium, like it equalizes, then it will never ever again be in need. It will never ever again be a vortex. Now, we don't ever want that with our drains at home, right? That's terrible. But that's what it wants. That's what it's looking for, right? And everyone, listen, everyone is trying different strategies to deal with this joy vacuum. This vacuum that's just like, give me more. This, this didn't help, this didn't help. And so we just kind of are reaching for everything, right? Anything around us. And, and what we'll do is we'll try to plug it here and there. But it doesn't end up happening. It starts leaking again. The plug goes off and then it starts wanting again and wanting again. And the only real way that joy vacuum will ever forever is if equilibrium reach and that vacuum is filled up. And I want you to think of this every time you see your bathtub, bathtub drain or your sink. Just look at it and be like, well, there goes my joy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But be like, oh, what am I reaching for, right? What am I reaching for uh, in joy? What, what am I searching for whenever I'm looking for joy, right? I want you to think about that. And I'm here to tell you that the pursuit of joy, and you probably know this. I hope you know this. The pursuit of joy ends at Christ. That's when it's met. That's when the equilibrium is met that. In Christ, you don't have a temporary joy. You have a lasting joy. You have a full joy. An everlasting joy is a gift that salvation, the common grace joy. joy. The Lord, we get to experience joy. Everlasting only comes through salvation because of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we kind of talked about the fruits last week whenever we were talking about peace. Knowing Christ, knowing that of a loves you, working all the fallen and terrible things that are happening around you for your good. And knowing that you're standing before God good because of saving Knowing you have a purpose existing and a calling in this life rather than just taking up space. Something we all want, we all long for. Now, this joy is not absence of trouble, though. This everlasting joy is not an absence of trouble, of trouble, even in trouble. Okay? So it doesn't mean it's going to remove. Remember last week we talked about uh, the scripture where Jesus says, in this world you are going to have trouble. Right? He's talking to believers. You are going to have trouble. And we are going to have trouble, but can we have joy and trouble synonymously? And the answer to that is yes. And this is why James can say things like uh, this scripture right here in uh, 1, 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when, why does it say foe? Where's the R? Why do, why, why do I do these things to myself? For you know that when your faith is tested... <laughs> Your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Look what it says. Went, stop, quit. <laughs> I need help, people. Anybody, anybody want to edit my stuff? That's great. Uh, consider it an opportunity for why. Whenever you have troubles, consider it joy. How can you say that? What? That is so opposite of what we, so opposite of what we think. Right? No, troubles don't equal joy. No troubles equal joy. 
But what James is saying is, no, no, no. Even in troubles, count that as joy. How in the world, how in the world can you rejoice when this world brings you trouble, right? That's the question we have. So um, I gave guitar lessons back in the day. And uh, one of the things, actually the thing, the main reason that every one of my students uh, that, that stopped playing guitar, quit playing guitar, was because their fingers hurt. It's that easy, right? And they just complain about it. And they're, I'm sitting there like, come on, you can do it. Just play this. But my fingers hurt. Right? Right? Even grown men. My fingers hurt. And I'm like, come on, but you can do it. Like, all you've got to do is endure that pain. And I promise at the other end of this is going to be a lot better, right? Going to be so much better, if you will only. But the thing is, is they just can't see past the pain. They just are stuck on that pain. And they're like, that's it. If this brings me pain, I stop doing this, right? That's just what I, but listen, like, like, they, I, I try to convince them there are calluses that will end up on your finger. And some of the girls are like, definitely not. <laughs> Forget that. I don't want that on my fingers. Uh, but it's something that is built up so that why? So that you can play and you can, you, can, you can enjoy playing without the pain because you've endured through it. And that's something that I, that I like. I, we played over 20-something songs the other day at, at – uh, the Christmas carol thing, and my fingers never hurt once. Why? Because I've endured through that, and I'm now to the point where I can really enjoy playing guitar without any kind of pain at all, right? Or you can put it down and never experience the enjoyment of playing guitar. You just put it down and quit right then and there. But the problem, like I said, is that they can't see past the pain, building endurance that will lead to joy. But here's what would help if you made the pain enjoyable. What? What are you talking about? Like, who makes pain enjoyable? Like, and, and look, I, I'm not saying like that that we're gonna walk around and things are gonna hurt. And we're gonna be like, that was awesome, right? Like, oh, pain. I love pain. Like, we're not ever gonna start desiring pain, <laughs> right? But but how can we make it enjoyable and or at least at least be okay with it with a joyful attitude, right? How in the world could we ever do that? I think it's possible if we could see that what is on the other side is extremely valuable and desirable. If we can see what's on the other side, if I was able to take a student into the future, all right, a student that was sitting here, my fingers hurt. If I was able to take that student into the future and show them themselves, right, kind of like a, a Christmas carol thing where, where the ghost of Christmas future, you know, shows you what you're going to be. And if I were to show them, and, and I, here you are at Carnegie Hall, playing for all these people. Do you see all of these smiles on these people because of what you're doing? Do you see the influence that you're able to have on the world because you're such an amazing guitar player? Then whenever I brought them back, I don't think they're going to be sitting here now going, but it hurts, right? Why? Because they can see what's on the other side. They can see what's going to happen. And that's the mindset that he has here, right? That's exactly what he's trying to, as a Christian, God is constantly growing us into the image of Christ. That's it. That's the end. That's the other side. We're being grown into the image of Christ to spiritual maturity. That's on the other side of pain. That's on the other side of trouble is spiritual maturity. And here's what one commentator says, and I love this. Perfection isn't a reference in the scripture. Perfection isn't a reference to sinless perfection, but to spiritual maturity. The testing of faith 
drives believers to deeper communion and greater trust in Christ, qualities that in turn produce a stable, godly, and righteous character. If I, were to be, if I, if I could take you to the future and say, hey, look at yourself here. You're spiritually mature. You're stable. You trust Christ. And you're enjoying him. You're in, you're, you have joy in your life. Then I, and, 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 I, and I told you that the reason that you're able to be there is because of the troubles that you had in this life. Then you would look at the troubles completely different. You wouldn't try to get away from them. You would consider it joy because that's what's being developed in you. And that's a pretty amazing thing. And if we could, if only we could just see through it, but that's what I'm begging us to do, see through it, because that's what's true. I just showed you your future. If you will endure, if you will endure pain and you will endure troubles and you will endure hardship, that is who you will be. Do you know why I'm so confident in that? Because that is the word of God. And that is what is true. And we can trust that 100%, right? And I want us to look at one last passage tonight about joy. And uh, it's John chapter 15 and um, in verse 11. So if you guys want to turn there, and we're actually going to read, I'm sorry, verse 1 through 11. We're going to read uh, quite a bit of it. So if you guys want to turn there, um, you can. I'll also have it up on the screen as well, though. But I'm going to give you the ending first, uh, verse 11. And then we'll back up and we'll look at how to get there, okay? So first of all, verse 11 says this. These things, what things? I'm glad you asked. We're going to talk about them in a second. These things I have spoken to you that my joy, who's talking right here? Jesus. He's saying my, I'm telling you these things, why? So that my joy, the joy that Jesus has may be in you and that your joy may be How many of you in this room want so bad for your joy to be full, right? We all want our joy to be full. We want that vacuum to disappear. We want that equilibrium to be met so that we no longer have this vacuum that is just seeking joy with everything around. If something could just make us full, and he just said right there that we can be. How many of us want the joy that is inside of Jesus to be the joy that is inside of us as well? I do, right? And it's a joy that is there even though, listen to this, in less than 24 hours, you know you're going to be arrested, beaten, and crucified. And Jesus says, my joy, I want to have it, knowing that's what's coming up. So, and what are the, these things? All right, let's talk about them. How can we have that full joy? How can we have the joy of Jesus? What are the these things? Um, this kind of worked out, um, and uh, I'm going to call it the ABCs, right? Uh, so we're going to say abide, bear, not the animal, uh, and comply. ABCs, right? Uh, really, the word I wanted there is obey, so I put it in parentheses. But if we're going to have the ABCs, we needed a C, so I literally Googled obey synonyms. And there was a C that said comply. And I was like, that's it. All right, cool. So comply. Everybody say abide. Everybody say bear and comply. All right, let's check this out for just a moment. All right, here we go. So here's, here's kind of what it's saying in John 15, chapter 1, 
Uh, I'm sorry, John chapter 15, verse 1 uh, through 11, it says this. I am the true vine. This is Jesus. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch, that's us, in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. In verse 3, already you are clean because of salvation, because of the word that I have spoken to you. So he says this in verse four, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, what? Bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. So here's the picture that he's painting here. If we have a grape vine, right? The grapes don't grow on the vine. They grow on the what? Branches, right? They grow on the branches of the vine. Grapes don't grow on the vine itself. The main source of life for the grapes, though, is the what? Vine. The, the reason that the branches even survive is because of the vine. The reason that the grapes are even there is because of the health of the vine, right? And so what he's saying there, right, is that if something happens to the vine, there are no grapes. So the branches have one job, to remain fixed to the vine and bear fruit from it. Remain fixed to the vine. That's the job of the branch. Remain fixed to the vine and bear fruit fruit. So Jesus is saying, Christian, your joy, right, which is one of the fruits that we talked about of the Spirit, right, a fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So joy is a fruit, that everlasting joy. He's saying, Christian, your joy, but not only your joy, all these other things as well, will only produce so long as you are fixed to the vine. The only way that you're going to have everlasting joy is if you're affixed to the vine. So that's the number one thing that you have to be, right? Is fixed to that vine. And abide right here, right? Abide right here. It says we're supposed to abide. This is the definition of abide. I think I, yeah, I have it up there. Rachel's on it. Which means to remain united with him in heart, mind, and will. And it means to remain steadfast, to persevere, and to endure. That's what the word abide there means, remain united with him. Remain with So in other words, there are going to be moments in your life, whether bad circumstances, whether hardships, whether troubles, pride, selfishness, temptations, they're going to want to separate you from the vine. Or at least, at least just leave you hanging on just a little bit, right? just kind of hanging there. And what happens then? The fruit that you're producing suffers as well. So as long as you're not abiding in Christ, then that joy that you're supposed to have is not going to be as strong. It's going to suffer, right? It's going, and I'm, I'm not talking, and you're not going to lose your salvation, but I am talking about kind of being separated from the, from the vine as being out of fellowship with God. You guys understand what that means, right? Like, like hopefully God is not just some distant being that you don't really get to talk to, that you, 
that you have to like ask other people about or just kind of pray to and say, oh, I don't know. No, like there is a way that we as believers can have fellowship with God. That's why he's given us his word. We spend time with him. We spend time talking to him, listening to what he has to say back to us through his word. And we sit and we fellowship with God just like we would sit in fellowship with one another. But whenever we allow things like temptation and troubles and all these things to kind of come and separate us from that vine a little bit, the fruit suffers, right? If you remove yourself from fellowship with Christ, the fruit suffers. Your joy will suffer. And listen to this. The most miserable people in the world, they are not lost people. The most miserable people in the world are Christians who are out of fellowship with Christ. If you don't believe me, ask David whenever you get to heaven. All right? Those are the most miserable people but if you abide in Christ, you remain united with him in heart, your mind will, then his joy will be in you and that joy will be full, all right? And that Greek word for full means complete. That means there's no empty space at all. That joy that we have, there's, there's every single square inch of any vacuum that you have for joy right here says will be completed. It will be full completely. All right? So, but how do we abide, right? Because I could just say that to you. So you guys get out there and abide, okay? And then you'd be like, okay, I don't know how to, how do you, right? Because like abide is a verb, right? It's definitely something that you do, but I've never come upon someone and be like, what are you doing? And they're like, well, I'm abiding. Duh. Like, can't you, did you tell what I'm doing right now? So how do we do that? Let's make that concrete just for a moment. Let's make that tangible. How do we, how do we abide, right? So let's finish the passage and uh, you'll see. Right here it says in verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I love loved you. So abide in my love says in verse 10 right here, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So there it is. There it is. That's what abiding is. It's obedience. It's complying to what God asks of you to do. So the only way that you're ever going to fully have joy, the joy of Jesus, the joy of Christ, right? The fullness of joy is if you are abiding in him. And how do we abide in him? It's through loving obedience to our Father. God, I trust you. I trust that what you're asking me to do is what is good. And what's on the other side of that? A joy that is never lacking. Never lacking. We can test him on that. So, abiding is dependent on your obedience. Your abiding directly affects the fruit of joy. Um, and that's going to lead to a full joy, a joy that's in Christ. So, uh, what does the full fruit of joy look like then? Right? Because I can tell you that. I can say, hey, you're going to be full of joy. And then you're going to be like, wow, okay. Like in our minds, we think, I should be happy all the time. Like, this is going to be really good. And yeah, I mean, it really is. Like whenever you have like your eyes fixed on that, you are. Everything's going to be okay. That's why James can say stuff like that. Like, hey, even in your troubles, be joyful, right? But here's what I think it looks like. 
and, and I'll read it from this one commentator right here. And this is so good. Branches, they produce fruit, right? But they don't eat the fruit. Others do. We are not producing fruit to please ourselves, but to serve others. It's good. It's really, really good. So temporary joy takes. It's a vacuum. It just takes and it takes and it takes. But everlasting joy gives. That is good news. And this is the joy that Christ had. Christ had a giving joy. And the joy that he wants to be in you as well. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, please visit our website at hopecommunitynyc.com.